Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But I don't want, nor do I need... Emmy Martinez proven to me that he's confident by taking an extra touch, by scanning his options while being closed down yeah. in his six-yard box. He doesn't have to prove anything. He told Jerry Mina he was going to eat him on live TV. <laughs> I know Emmy Martinez is a confident man. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a So I left while you were sleeping isn't it just great to hear Dean Smith talking after a game about how his team were too passive and for once you can just you can just enjoy listening to it it's actually music to your ears Steven Gerrard has taken just six games to surpass Villa's points total after the first 11 games and he's done it obviously having played City and Liverpool tonight wasn't so much fun but it was a Tuesday night away game after an exhausting weekend away defeat and it was comfortable. It was a clean sheet. It was a result, a result that a flakier villa could have left behind, you know, any other season. It's a fourth win from six for the new boss, but speaking after the game, Steven Gerrard said, eh, it's a good start, but it's my job to keep pushing the standards and keep driving this club forward. Do you know... What I think I like most about tonight, it's that Steven Gerrard is not going to think about this game ever again for the rest of his life. It's it's not even going to come into his head. Like this man is not here to bask in victories over Norwich. Save your highlights reels, save your on this day posts. Steven Gerrard is moving on and he wants the club to move on with him. That's what Steven Gerrard has brought to this club in six games. Yeah, I mean, I would like to not have to think about this match ever again, but <laughs> you're going to force me to sit here for the next hour. 
Like it, it is great that we've surpassed the, the points total for the next 11. But you know what's even better, Conan? That the next 11, the next 11, we're going to win nine of our games. Guaranteed. It just depends how much of a change or turnaround Ralph Rangnick can get out of Manchester United. But we will win every other game other than that, possibly, and the Chelsea game. Which is just so exciting, Villa. I've never been in this position before. But if Gerard is as ambitious and exacting in the standards that he expects, as I hope he is, he won't have been happy about that. But there's very little to take from it because it was such a strange game that is unlikely to be repeated. And the temperature of the game and of the crowd were just so bizarre that I just don't think he can take anything from it. It's a weird ground, isn't it? It it, it really is. Like... That's twice now, like in the last two games that I've that I've witnessed Carrow Road because you know you're watching the United game and then you're you're watching uh, Villa obviously tonight and you shouldn't be able to hear the players that often in a, in a full stadium in a Premier League stadium like you you can hear Ronaldo's screams reverberating around Norfolk like you know and then so often the players going down tonight you, you could hear. You could hear so much happening on the field. It was like you were back in a in a lockdown era where the stadiums were empty. Yeah, I mean the, the anger was so tepid, and there was there was even such a lack of conviction in their booing at the end of the game or of Buendia free out. It was just yeah, it was just a bizarre game. But the atmosphere was just so hard to explain. It was almost like standing on the sideline watching a Sunday league game or something. Just yeah, the amount of energy and drive that the players had and. The reactions of the crowd it was just strange strange night yeah a lot a lot of it a lot, a lot of norwich tonight especially and probably more often but we haven't just watched them thankfully more, <laughs> more often <laughs> but a, a lot of it did smack of sunday league and yeah the atmosphere was eerie um and, and we'll, we'll get more into their sunday league analysis in a bit but they start off with let's talk about mr jacob ramsey what a fucking goal like oh my god God, the power of this man, the directness in him, the skill. Just a lovely one-two with Watkins, but he's picking it up in his own half. And he just keeps running. Defending's not great, but like good players punish it. And he punished it spectacularly. We just had a player, one of our own, get the ball in his own half. He's a centre midfielder, and he scored a goal from it by bringing one other player into the game for one touch. Lovely layoff from Watkins, who was foul as he laid it off, but... What I liked about it was that, you know, Plaquetta was obviously told to, to get tight on him. You could hear Dean Smith roaring and shouting. You know, mm. like there was one stage where, no, I don't think he was disrespecting Ramsey. You can always just hear Smith doing that anyway when there's a chance for a press. We, we've heard it enough as, as Villa fans. And he, he just shouted, to, you know, go, 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 go. And then he shouted too easy as Ramsey just skipped by somebody stupidly pressing him. Mm. And then this was a the result then when they tried to press him a second time. Like, don't don't disrespect Ramsey. Back the fuck off him because otherwise he'll just go around you. Oh, you, you fucking noticed Ramsey this week, did you, you bollocks? <laughs> I, I hope you're introducing a new award category to go alongside your Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award. The fucking Jacob Ramsey. Oh, he was playing hard. <laughs> okay. I've, I've talked about how exciting it is every time this young fella gets the ball. He just squares his shoulders up to the goals and decides if he's going to go. And boy, did he fucking go. And said to the lads, oh, you, you, you think I'm right footed? You know I'm right footed, do you? Well, here's my fucking left. I mean, the shift onto his left was perfect. The speed... How little time there was between 
the ball leaving his right instep and meeting his left laces. It, it takes a nick, but he ran from the halfway line and spanked the ball with his supposed yeah. bad foot. So we'll let him away with the the slight deflection on the ball. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, like it, it's a it's a powerful strike. Like that's it. Like that's why he let him away with it. It probably would have gone on the other side of the net as well. Um, yeah, and and then like after half time, I'd say Plaquette was getting abused in the change rooms at halftime because of what had happened because he just let Ramsey just storm up the pitch don't worry you won't be the last for that to happen to you young fella but uh straight after the break for the first 10 minutes maybe of the second half Ramsey was just being pulled down Paquette was pulling his shirt it was all over him and I'd say like he was just told do not fucking let that happen again and this is our player comes to the fore now like people are worried about him they're watching out for him and opposition players are getting annoyed by what he can do you know like this this is heartening stuff ah yeah he's, he's got an unbelievable array of talents and then to go with that is the courage to use the talents which is just it's so good and we saw this from the very first game of the season i remember getting really excited and speaking on here about how amazing it was he just seemed to have grown in so much confidence he just realized hang on i am good enough for this team what the fuck was i doing last year and he was just getting the ball and he was going you talked about it two weeks ago just the afterburners he's putting on from centre midfield and just running straight through teams. Like tonight it was it was easy, he was just running past players, but like running straight through the middle of teams, the guy has just got it all. To have that speed, courage, the dribbling ability, the quick feet, to go along with his passing is just it's such a rare, a rare treat to have in one player. And 2-0 to finish it off, Ollie Walker. You always love when your striker scores, don't you? Especially when he scores with Ings on the pitch as well. You know, maybe there is a future there for the two of them, but <laughs> but if this um you know, if anything's going to sum up how bad Norwich are, like it starts this 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 goal starts with a really sloppy pass from Matt Target. It's just a there's a simple ball onto Ramsey or Ings down the left and he just doesn't make it. Like, I don't know what he's what he's doing. Like target was good tonight, but just he wasn't thinking straight for that pass. Gives it straight to a Norwich player, who gave it straight back to Villa. Just a nothing ball over the top to nobody. When they they would have had a bit of a break on because your left back has just been done. He sold the team short with a bad weird pass straight to the feet of a Norwich player, and they just they just give it straight back to you and Matt Cash. Then just knocks it over the top in a clearance, and Carney <laughs> Chuck Wemiga is standing on his own in behind the defence, and somehow he's onside. Like this is like this just this is Norwich, you know. And then like we're talking about good players punishing Chuck Wemiga's thinking, oh, I'm onside. Well, like you know, have some of this. Turns around, he goes for the jugular. He shifts it onto his left as well, and he's too tight for the shot. So he plays a beautiful, perfect ball across the box and Ollie Watkins is always there for them like he will never not make that run and he just pointed straight to Chuck Wemmicka who has arrived in the majors for stats he, he's here <laughs> yeah it, it's incredible it's absolutely incredible from Chuck Wemmicka and the the initial strength and the the lack of respect the dismissive nature of the shrug to swat Aaron's aside how irrelevant Aaron's is <laughs> and the drive then, and the look up that tells Ollie Watkins what to do. Imagine telling Ollie Watkins what to do with your control of the football. And Ollie Watkins knows exactly what Chuck Wemmicka wants. And then the execution, like you said, with his bad foot as well, it was all there. And as I said a second ago, 
Villa can win nine of the next 11 in the league. No baller. Let's ramp up this big bastard's minutes. Yeah, yeah, I fully, fully agree. Villa's academy had a great night. Mr. Dean Smith, um, the player, the manager who gave these players their first games um, as Aston Villa seniors. You do have to wonder after watching that this evening, and I'm watching just how bad Norwich are. Like, you know, in fairness, maybe we're corrupted having watched Villa play Liverpool at Anfield and Liverpool being on it at Anfield. Like, you know, to go to this game then and... uh, Oh, night and day, like the comparison of the teams, like we shouldn't make the comparison, it's pointless, but it makes me wonder, and I was happy for him to get a job initially, but why did Dean Smith take over Norwich? It does seem like a beaten docket, doesn't it? It's such, such a strange decision. I, mean, I saw Norwich not beat their, actually, in fact, go, go down against 10-man Newcastle, and that's when I really thought, oh, Dean, what have you done? Yeah. I mean, like talk about a rebound fling, and this is the type of mistake that would have you sneaking out of their gaff at five a.m. <laughs> only doing three buttons on your shirt and not even in the right holes. Probably leaving a shoe behind, fucking your phone in the canal on the walk back, stopping at your house only to leave out some food and water for the dog, cutting <laughs> off your friends so there's just no link back to you, and then handing in your notice by email from a coin-operated computer at the airport before catching a fucking flight to Buenos Aires. You've made a mistake, Dean. Get out. <laughs> yeah, he's better than us. And like, you know, I, maybe I'm more invested in it because I predicted that Dean Smith would never have to get another team promoted from the championship. <laughs> <laughs> but the longer he stays with Norwich, the like, you know, that that prediction is is going to be futile. It's going to it's going to be rendered completely stupid and uh premature like i think he'll be back in the championship with them next season definitely oh, he'll be back in the championship with them in the next 10 games i said if, if norwich <laughs> are relegated in the next 10 games it just wouldn't be surprising they're just they're not there that's that's their level they're, like think about it this way their best player last year is our worst you know you know like that's where norwich are at they're absolutely terrible not an incident-laden game. Um, just two, really, to talk about. There two flashpoints. If nobody scores, you might be talking about them a bit more. We'll start with Pookie on Konza from the corner. Let let it play, is what the referees say. I thought this was a foul. He's, he's all over him. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking A2 Konza. I mean, it, it's a foul from Pookie, but then it's a dive from Konza as well. Would have been great if the referee had given the penalty and then booked the two of them. Because like, I don't I don't know why Konza's bothering to dive. Pookie's pulling him back and Konza jumps forward. It's stupid from Konza and probably actually guarantees he's not getting the penalty. Does his foot trip him or am I just uh, got Konza glasses on for my whole life? <laughs> Konza tinted glasses? I, I didn't actually notice that. Maybe it did. And I'm, I am more than willing to back that horse. <laughs> The other one was Barham's tackle on uh, Tyrone Mings. Premier League, dude, we don't stop games for this anymore. It's <laughs> straight, like you know, like if, if Tyrone Mings' foot is planted, it's another one of those, like if and maybe, and like you know, down to the to lapse of the gods yet again. Like just just hope that that player isn't planted, ready to receive this stupid tackle. Nowhere near the ball, straight leg coming straight in at somebody else's leg. Studs up. Cowardly, it's Biram on Mings, and uh, yeah, the refs. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not even going to look at it again. Yeah, but like, what a. 
if you look at the rules, I mean, he's out of control. It's wild. His whole body is off the ground, so he can't stop himself, and he studs up. And like he's a very, very lucky boy that because he only glances. I remember he does catch Mings. Yeah, he only glances him, so they don't bother looking at it. I mean, if that wasn't Mings, and you can easily imagine an other player doing a fucking somersault after that tackle. Not that I would advocate that, but Terrell <laughs> Mings doesn't. Terrell Mings doesn't go down. Like, he just doesn't. That's not in his nature. Terrell Mings is a big fucking man. He likes picking people up with one hand from the ground whenever they're lying there. But like, and Byram's lucky that, that that's what happened there. Like, what's annoying about that is that you know if he had two feet going in like that, if it's two foot of tackle, he's getting a straight red, nobody's questioning it. There's no difference. There's absolutely no difference. If you go in with two feet, mo- like, most likely only one foot's going to catch the player anyway. He's exactly... He's got exactly the same amount of control, which is very little, that he would have had if he went in with two feet. He's off the ground. He's lunging in. He's flaying his body across at Tyrone Mings' leg, not not caring about the ball. Look, I don't I don't think he actually went into doom or you know this was his intention. I think it's just a stupid, wild challenge that it should be punished for so he doesn't do it again. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he doesn't do him is completely coincidental for what Byron was doing. I mean, if Tyrone Mings chooses to do something different there, like he gets lucky that Tyrone Mings clears the ball. If Tyrone Mings takes a touch there, then he does clean Mings, and it is a red card. So, you know, ah, he's a, he's a lucky boy, as we say, and also an irrelevant decision. Yeah, let's take a breather and go to WhatsApp winches. First WhatsApp winch is an important WhatsApp winch. The fucking state of Todd Cantwell. I don't want him anywhere near that Villa squad. Like, talk about premature. Like, I'm slagging myself for being premature in my prediction. <laughs> that was a bad prediction and a bad wish that a lot of people had, getting Todd Cantwell into the Villa squad. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. Tom Cantwell is the definition of a shit footballer. He's just he's not going to make it. Todd Cantwell turns 24 in February. There's never been a flashy footballer who's turned out to be top class but wasn't brilliant at 24. And he's getting taken off in the 60th minute when they're 1-0 down for Norwich. Yeah. And like, forget about Todd Cantwell. There was one in the first half where Bundy and Young weren't even pressing him. Yeah, I, mean, they I, know, were, I know the one. I know the one. I think they were moving around on their toes trying to keep warm in his general vicinity. And that fucking heat got too much for him. And he tried to play a 1-2 with the ball boy with the most pathetic, pointless, and needless back heat I can ever remember seeing. It was... Like, I, I, my stomach churned when I saw it. It wasn't even... I didn't even laugh. I couldn't bring myself to it. It was pathetic. And that's exactly when I wrote this down. Like, well done. But, like, dude, this was... Yeah, and then he got worse for a few minutes after that thing because he got the ball and he was turned a couple of times and he just playing a pass it wasn't on and like that that one you're talking about on like, Villa's right wing Matt, Matt Cash's wing he he had the ball for for a little bit and like I was sort of wondering if I was young there and because it's Kentwell and because he's not doing anything but he's, he's doing step overs and stuff it would be very tempting just to go on and foul him just to stop it because you, you not like you know not one of those don't let him do that to you but, you know, don't let him do that to you. <laughs> and you're also, like, he's wasting both of your time, like, you know, because it is hard to tackle him when he's just turning away. But then, yeah, you're right, he just freaked out. And he, it wasn't even, I don't even think he tried a back heel. He tried to curl it with his, the back of his heel to nobody. And it just went straight, straight out of play. It wasn't even close to going to anybody. It was a, 
another bizarre piece of play from him and like him coming off like you say after an hour for Norwich isn't good when they're 1-0 down as well like this is it he's their fucking golden boy they need a goal like why is he being taken off it's pathetic yeah there was talk of him replacing Grealish like that <laughs> yeah. second whatsapp winch fuck me if one more player goes down injured in this game just fucking abandon it <laughs> That was a tough watch at times, wasn't it? You know, like maybe maybe Villa were professional, maybe they got the job done, we're all delighted with the result and and especially the Academy players coming through. In hindsight, during that match, I was getting fairly frustrated. Like and this it just seemed to be taking an age to get it over with because every time somebody got tackled, they were down requiring attention. Yeah. I spent a lot of that game worried though as well. I mean the first the first twenty minutes it was Villa were playing with what people probably thought was patience, but it was just mixed with too much playing at the way you're facing, dicking around, too confident, letting minutes just drift by. I mean, who do these last things they are? I mean, they've, they've only won four of their last 10 games or last 11 games, for fuck's sake. I mean, you, have to, you have to earn the right to dick around and then don't do it because you have now established yourself as a good team and yeah. shed those bad habits and, made a lifelong commitment to your new love, to your new relationship of fucking the opposition. But there was just <laughs> far too much of that game. It was it was the easy option far too often. Popping the ball around is great, but you have to pop it with intent as well. I mean, like, what is the point of Mings drilling one through the middle and breaking the lines if Buendia is just going to pop it back to Conza then? Yeah. It's a lot of absolute wastage of, of balls from everybody on the team. It wasn't just Buendia. I mean, it was the type of performance, and this is why I was worried, that can really fuck you over. I've just seen it happen too often. It's really difficult to hammer teams, like to motivate yourself, to bury a team into the ground. When things are too easy for you, you end up taking it easy. And you also just, when, when you're looking another human in the eye, it's hard to kill them. I mean, the psychology of not wanting to harm others kicks in when <laughs> you're faced with such a feeble adversary. I'm... When I saw Adamita with a free header in the six-yard box, straight into the keeper's stomach, obviously, which he absolutely loves. It's his favourite. But when I, when I saw that chance, I was ready to explode. Here we go again. Yeah. Like it's, it's a mentality thing that will eventually get. And we got away with it tonight because Norwich are dreadful. But we have to get that mentality a lot quicker. You can't just let games drift by. Yeah, I think that was it. It was just more like, let's get our foot on the throat of these boys who are crying out to be killed and let's not leave it up to chance. Let's leave it, not leave it up to anybody getting a header. Like, that was probably the only real chance that they got. But, like, you know, anything could happen. Like, we saw, like, giving the ball away um, under pressure and you know, somebody slips when there's three on goal when they should be punishing a villain mistake. You know, if you're only 1-0 up against these teams, that sort of stuff can happen. We've seen it too often. Um, and yeah, the fact that it was just a bit, a bit quiet, I would say some of that performance was, um, was, it was worrying, but we've had this conversation before where we're saying we're just scarred by being Aston Villa supporters as well and expecting the worst. Yeah. Expecting the worst, but there, there wasn't enough energy in the game. Like just, like, if, if that was Liverpool, they would have beaten them 6-0 in the first half. Norwich were, I, I cannot talk lower about Norwich. They were dreadful that game. They weren't involved in it. Like they yeah. just. They had no interest in it and they had no idea what to do. The third WhatsApp whinge is a COVID-related one. No. 
No, don't worry, we're not we're not going we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Booster or no? How many jokes? This one comes courtesy of uh, Qatar Lions actually on Twitter. Give them a follow. Um, but <laughs> so obviously, you know, Stephen Gerrard had said that they had a couple of cases in the squad, and they said uh, afterwards as well in the coaching team. So people were worried coming into the game. You know, the conspiracy theory started. There was like there was one video posted from training, and then so it was basically like who you didn't see were, were in the frame. They were all suspects for COVID, <laughs> and like you know, like one of the big rumors that took place. I don't know how this starts, but like you know, somebody hears like who could be the worst player to have COVID, and Emmy Martinez's name gets thrown up, and everybody takes off. Yeah, yeah. But then Emmy Martinez posts a picture before the game. Maybe he's all right. Maybe maybe he can. Catch everything except COVID. <laughs> but the Qatar Lions tweeted before the game once the lineup came out, and they've they've done the maths. And oh yeah, I must say that they they are just doing the maths, and like we we have no confirmation. Um, but they said Steer, Sanson, and El Ghazi. You'd probably have taken that. <laughs> <laughs> and I must say, I think a lot of us might agree. Like. <laughs> We do just treat these guys as boys to go out and kick the ball for us. <laughs> you know? yeah. But he probably would have taken us. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I and I hope Sanson's doing well and he's not affected by it and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, isn't it great that it was Sanson? Because that ended up, you know, forcing his hand almost. Like, there was a big chance that Sanson would have started today. And maybe yeah. that would have come instead of JJ. And Chuck Wemmicka wouldn't have gone on the pitch then as well because it probably would have been Ramsey coming on. But, uh, yeah, it worked out well for us. Worked out well. The one thing I will say, you know, in the whole spirit of footballers being nothing but our commodities and being nothing but our entertainment, I saw a really sweet picture of John McGinn. I think he was out at a shopping center somewhere holding some woman's daughter and got getting a picture with the two of them. Um, and honestly, at the time, this is only a couple of weeks ago, but at the time, I was thinking. Get her away from me! <laughs> you, don't know. you don't know what she has. Like you're John McGinn, we need you. You're flying. <laughs> don't you interact with anybody? Just get yourself onto that pitch. Go to Bodymore Heath. Sleep there. Get back onto the pitch, and then like let me enjoy this whole pandemic. Be a you're bit getting, more careful. You're getting paid well enough to not ever leave the house, mate. <laughs> We're starting to sound like talk sport pundits now. Um, and that's where we should park WhatsApp when you see after this. Dean Smith, Master Class. Dean Smith is a brilliant manager who gets the best out of this incredibly limited squad. Great to see the away fans stay afterwards and the volume of Dino, Dino, Dino ringing around. This is what happens when a well-cooked team plays an uncooked team. It's a fucking joy to watch. Joy to watch. I think Dean Smith's doing a brilliant job. job. To actually take him back to the Premier League. And it is such high risk. risk. But that's okay. okay. That is what life is all about. Yeah.
risk taking is where you find the joy in life and Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith, Dean Smith has never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. He was the first across that void, that parted sea, the divide between the boys and the girls in the school disco. And Saucer's just in the fucking corner just getting the wedgie. Corner getting the wedgie. Aston Villa out of Wembley to Wembley. Aston Villa out of Wembley to Wembley. Villa are in a good place right now. You know, I've had so many people say to me it's the best day they've ever had in their lives, so. Let's start with the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. I am back on the John McGinn train of letting him shoot from 40 yards. <laughs> we, we once didn't like it. We said he was just trying to hit the ball as hard as he could. Let him hit it as hard as he can. Let, it, let him try and lob cruel with those uh, bendy... Wow, whipping shots! Great, great, uh, great strike! Almost, almost went in. There's a bit of movement on the ball. It's the only thing that really causes any difficulty. There wasn't actually that much power in it or direction on it. I mean, when I saw it leaving his foot, I was like, "Oh, I just expect the cruel to catch it." It must have been swinging wildly in the air because it's straight down the middle, and it looked like he made a bit of a mess of it. It was vicious. John McGinn playing <laughs> the man as well. He sees Tim Cruel and goes and thinks, "I'm having some of this." Second one, ah, uh, John McGinn, like John McGinn's ball, like the, the way he got that up and down over the top for Ollie Watkins, like so little space between the centre back and Cruel, and he gets it up over the all, drops down on Watkins' foot. It's a bad touch from Watkins. I think he might get a shot in the end, but it, like, he's taking it to the byline with his with his touch. But McGinn, sometimes, like well, a lot of the time now, he's looking like he's looking like a conductor of an orchestra. You know, he's just turning that ball on his left foot, and I, I once said that, like, you know, he's, he's not, he's not that quarterback player. But now, when he's mixing it up with running, with shooting, with, with those lovely crosses, those in swinging crosses, now he's, I don't know, he's making that second half of the pitch his own. Yeah, John McGinn is, is playing now at the level he was playing at in the championship, but he's doing it in the Premier League. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he does have everything, and this is. We're seeing now the reason why everyone loves John McGinn, which I don't think we've seen for far too long. And the range of passing that he's shown and the type of passing, that you're right to talk about the angle on that ball. I don't think I can do that to the ball unless I very deliberately put my foot under the ball and scooped it into the air. The way he gets it up and down just by thinking it is absolutely insane. Yeah. And yeah, Watkins makes a fucking mess of it. (laughs) We have potentially better fullbacks in Liverpool Football Club. Cash to target. That that Alexander-Arnold-esque pass going across the field. Matt Target, lovely touch, goes up in the air a little bit, but then he volleys it with his right foot and pulls it wide. But just just a great move. Like, you know, we've got good movement up top, but sometimes you don't need to use it. We can just get Cash to feed Target, who can uh, take a nice touch and, and lash one. Who can take a nice touch and miss. <laughs> Fourth nomination. Oh, like you know, the, the cross that I'm talking about, the in swinging cross. Here to fourth, known as the McGinn cross. Straight <laughs> straight into Ollie Watkins. He knows he spins away from a defender. He knows that's where McGinn's going to put it. Um, and he gets his header. 
he gets it low, but it's a save. It's an easy save at the near post. Maybe he could have gone across the goal. I actually think Cruel was covered a lot of the goal. And when I look back at the replay, there wasn't much options for Watkins. Yeah, he, he does the right thing. I mean, it was good enough for Konza against Leicester. And then Cruel makes a decent save. Yeah. And then the only other nomination. And, uh, once more, we have this nomination. John McGinn should have had two assists tonight. Plays a three ball. He, he's running late on. You think he's going to spank it again with his left foot. And he feeds a three ball. To Danny Ings and his touch lets him down. The ball gets away from him. <laughs> he's on the pitch. He's getting his chance. Watkins is there. Watkins is scoring. Come on. Take the touch. Get the goal. Take the touch. Take a better touch if you're going to do that or just hit it first time. If, you're, if your touch has been letting you down so much recently, then just maybe have a spank first time. That will catch the keeper off. If they, even though it's a more difficult shot, you're more likely to catch the keeper off guard as well. So you have a bit, giving yourself a better chance from that perspective. But yeah, just take a touch and roll one into the net. That's not difficult. This is what you're supposed to be, Danny Ings. The only other chance I can think of was when Ashley Young jumped over the bar or over the ball. I mean, there was it was brilliant from Cash, and it was just absolutely moronic from Young. I mean, he lets he dummies the ball when he's on the six yard box. There's nobody there, and yeah. you have an easy chance yourself. I mean, the purpose of the dummy is to give someone an easy chance. You've got an easy chance. What are you doing? And who are you deferring to, Ashley? You're old enough to be their father. Just have a shot yourself. <laughs> You're literally old enough to be all their father. <laughs> there, there was one more chance uh, for Jacob Ramsey. He got teed up for him on his left foot at the age of the box. I don't want to talk about that, though, because I'm so happy with Jacob Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Eichelman, what the fuck award? Two nominations. I'll give them both to you, and you can uh, pick up from it. Uh, second week in a row, second game in a row. Ezra Konza, <laughs> not not a big one, but um, this is more of a Bertrand Ferrari what the fuck moment where the ball bounces back to him and he's just he's coming back onto the pitch from the byline and he can just volley a clear and he's facing away and he tries to just clear up the pitch and he somehow hits it over the crossbar, comes off his shin and goes over Emmy Martinez's head and then. Ah, the big one in the winner is Ashley Young's pass back. Like uh, this was particularly annoying. Like Mings plays it out to him, and this is really annoying because Young in the first half as well. I think McGinn played him a ball, and he tried to hold off a defender, and the defender just ran through him and took the ball. It was just weak, yeah. you know. And if you're not going to be strong enough for that, and I think he, no matter what size you are, I think he can still protect the ball. Um, then move it, like you know, get moving on the ball or hit it first time, and this time he, he tries it in his own half and loses the ball and Norwich are straight through and thankfully I forget who it was but he slipped on his earth mm. yeah the Kanza one I mean he was booked for time wasting and holding on to Williams which I thought was just a bit of shit housing. but when I saw how he reacted that ball dropping from the sky under no pressure as well and then with you're right a Bertrand Drury slash out for a corner I thought maybe he was impacted maybe Esri Kanza was actually getting riled up by Brandon Williams <laughs> A player man you know to think Arm Wambasaka, Diogo Dolo, Luke Shaw and Alex Tellez are better than. Jesus Christ, Esri, get it together. Get your shit together and take a touch and clear it fucking properly. The young back pass was just, it was a dreadful moment and what was almost certain. Definitely, like Ashley Young's worst game and by a distance as well. I mean, his touch was bad all game. His energy was low. His decision making then was bad as well and I mean, it's a lot of minutes in very few days for yeah someone of his age. Maybe that was it. 
like the only the only positive contribution that Ashley Young made to that game was when he caught the ball after Konza was messing around with Brandon Williams, just as the ref had stopped Konza from wasting time. Konza kicks the ball at Young. Young catches it and puts it under his arm and goes over and continues to talk to <laughs> Brandon Williams. Other than that, he was shite. No, it wasn't happening for him at all. Yeah, you're right. I had the same thought. Like, you know, yeah, in three days, a lot of minutes. Maybe he's just played a lot of minutes now in consecutive mm. games as well, where he just needs to maybe reduce those minutes to sustain himself for a full season because just couldn't get into the game today. And, um, yeah, not effective. Like, he's playing against Liverpool away on Saturday as well. Um, yeah, no, no matter what he did today, it just, it just wasn't happening. You mentioned Shithausen. Your category, the Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting it shithousery award. <laughs> only one nomination, only one winner, really. Tyrone Mings, you bad fucker. Now you might think you might think it's weird having a piece of skill in shithousery. <laughs> but like you know, the mental capacity to pull this off in your own box to do a little one two of your feet and just chicane around a player and Danned her out with the ball like that was that was shit housing from Tyrone Mings. That was bad in a great way. It was, it was, it was absolutely disgusting in a great way. I mean, <laughs> Martinez takes an extra touch before all this happens, and then he it fucks does. he fucks Tyrone Mings him as well because he gives him a bad ball, and he has given the Norwich player an extra two yards as well to get to Mings, and Mings does absolutely brilliantly. But I don't want, nor do I need. <laughs> Emmy Martinez proven to me that he's confident by taking an extra touch, by scanning his options while being closed down yeah. in his six-yard box. He doesn't have to prove anything. He told Jerry Mina he was going to eat him on live TV. <laughs> I know Emmy Martinez is a confident man. <laughs> yeah, he, he waits basically until the player's up on his shoulders and it's like he will not... He will not be rushed. He, he, <laughs> he wants everybody in the stadium to know you're not putting me off. This guy coming in is not a threat to me. You guys shouting in the stadium, you're insignificant. Look how cool I am. And he'll just, he'll just delay it. He'll delay it until he really has to play it. And then he won't clear it. He won't freak out. He'll just pass it to Tyro Mings with two players around him. <laughs> <laughs> and Mings will dig him out. Brilliant stuff. Mings is great tonight. Uh, you like Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award this Dean Smith boy cannot do set pieces without Austin McPhee can he <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. how, how often how often did, did the ball just get lumped high into the box and headed high towards Emmy Martinez to catch under his head under no pressure yeah, speaking of Emmy Martinez eating things up, it was pathetic, wasn't it? There was so yeah. many just lofted headers and so many corners as well. They just came out for, and you can and that weird atmosphere at Carrow Road. You could just hear him coming out and shouting "keeper." I mean, he might as well have been shouting "cherries." <laughs> like they, they don't even get excited for corners. Like you, you would think a relegation struggle, small, tight community of a club. Any corner, like that should be a hostile atmosphere on a Tuesday night in December in the Premier League. You know, every time we go out for a corner, we should be thinking, fuck's sake, why did we give away a corner needlessly? Because we gave away a couple of corners we could have avoided tonight. But there wasn't a moment where you thought, ah, bollocks, like we put ourselves under pressure for no reason. It was just a moment of, 
okay, we'll wait for 15 seconds for them to give the ball to Martinez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in a game like that, it should be fuck. Again, should have been all my worst fears should have been realized in those moments. That should have been, ah, what are we doing fucking dicking around here, giving Norwich their only opportunity to score, which will happen next Saturday against Burnley. So like, that will be the panic that oh, sets yeah. in, and that should be what was setting in tonight, but it just it was an irrelevance. Only nomination from a Villa point of view for the ULEC Glam Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award was slowing the game down from the start of the second half. Like we sort of touched on it already, but we should have just gone for the second goal. They're just gone for the killer. Norway's were crying out for it, and we were just professionally killing time. And people were going down injured, and we were holding the ball, like you mentioned. Uh, Martinez was wasting a bit of time. It was like, nah, come on. Like, you know, like we're respecting Norwich too much, I thought. And look, you know, maybe history has uh, been kind to that decision. We, we won 2 0, you know, we got the job done, but I just thought, you know, we could have, we could have made it a little bit easier for ourselves. Ah, yeah, definitely. And like, you know, I've talked myself around in the last couple of minutes that maybe it was an energy management thing. Speaking about Ashley Young, you know, it is a lot of games coming up and just gone by there as well. Maybe he was, maybe he didn't want to just go for the jugular because you could just waste energy and also not score. And maybe he knew if he just passed the ball around long enough, like we've talked about before, Norwich will eventually try to go for a goal and then you'll just have your space. You'll have your moment where an 18-year-old can fuck a professional footballer out of the way, run past him and then slide the ball across <laughs> to your unmarked centre-forward. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard said afterwards that they maxed themselves out against Liverpool, so he probably was conscious of just not wasting energy when they didn't have to, especially when they went 1-0 up. Uh, Dean Smith's set-piece management wins that category, though. Uh, Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them. Award, just two nominations for Stephen Gerrard. Taking Young off after 57 minutes, he needed to come off, but he brought Ings on. I thought it was a good move. Got Watkins a bit more involved in the game in the sense that those balls that we're talking about that were going up and maybe not sticking, they stick to Ollie Watkins, and he was being he was able to get them further out the pitch. And the other nomination is bringing Carney on. So just those those changes in the number ten positions were at the right time. They brought fresh and is yeah, just just two good subs that that managed the game for us. Yeah, I think maybe Buendia could have come off a bit earlier. I mean, the emotion of the occasion seemed to get them in the first few minutes, but then. It was a lot better then as the game grew on and we got the things that some of us have grown to love and some of us have grown to hate about you know, some magical some stuff and some dreadful things as well about the risk-reward balance. You know, the courteous young hotel manager one minute and the murderous old woman the next. <laughs> but it was he was he was much, much better today. But I think he said he could have come off a lot earlier. He was he was gasped by the time he did come off and I wanted to see Chuck Wemmick on earlier, but it was an obvious change. Uh, Ashley Young could have come off at halftime to be yeah. honest I mean like yeah they both both were the right subs I don't think they were at the right time they could have come earlier I think I'm just so conditioned in the Glenn Wheeling category to to nominate it when a player like Ashley Young's performance tonight has a 6 before it or a 7 you know when the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. so the fact that it was 57 it was like yeah yeah I got him off early it seemed early anyway um, and you're right like I would have liked to see Carney a bit earlier oh, he's like, Big. Oh, he's an exciting talent. He's an exciting talent. <laughs> the Vyman meter going up. Jacob Ramsey, obviously. Going up. I'm going to like the whole defense deserved to go up. And I'm just going to single out Matt Cash for one moment in the first half. 
Uh, he blocked McLean. Ball came whipping across. Villa, for some reason, had a or Norwich had a man over. Villa were a man down. And Cash was just on it. You know, McLean caught this ball perfectly on his left foot for a volley. And Cash blocked it. So it's just smacked of somebody who's tuned in. And those little things like, you know, that can go wrong for a team when they're not drilled or they're yeah, just, just mentally not on it like Villa are these days. Like That summed it all up. Just, you know, there's a chance that shouldn't be a chance and bang, block, over. Yeah, like Matt Cash is like a fucking energizer bunny. I don't know how he does it. It's There are so many high-intensity runs and over a long distance as well. Yeah. I mean, he is just doing 70-meter sprints for essentially the whole game. And... He comes up against a lot of tricky wingers as well, and he fucking loves that battle as well. Based on consistency of performance, including during the dark days at the start of the season or towards the back end of Smith's time, Matt Cash has comfortably been our best player this season, and hopefully he can keep it going. Going up, Mr. Douglas Louise. We are register is back. People didn't want him to go back to defensive midfield. I didn't. But Douglas Louise was brilliant tonight and maybe perfect for a game like that against weak opposition. And it just, ah, oh, he, he just, um, it, sometimes I compare it to, you know, Modric and Keane, like, you know, in these games that they dominate, it's like a brick wall moving up the pitch. You know, you're just mm. blocking a team in from one player, controlling everything. And I thought Douglas Louise was brilliant tonight. He was brilliant, but the, the the midfield free was absolutely excellent as well. I mean, the, the, you're right to single out Douglas Louise because he did dictate the game, and it's absolutely the perfect game for him against the perfect opposition. And he'll obviously have tougher games if he has to do that role against better teams. But it, you're right, the brick wall, it was just everything was going through Dougie. When the ball came to Dougie, he was doing the things that he hasn't, been doing for the last year he was passing the ball forward he was looking forward at the first option and maybe he was encouraged in that by having Ramsey and McGinn next to him who do it automatically that's their go-to they want to go forward and it's just great to see Dougie do it today going up finally per Marvelous Nakamba like we, we got um Ed on Twitter, I think it's very harsh feedback. He said, can't wait to hear your celebrations at Nakamba's injury. Finally got what you always wanted, etc. <laughs> you know, like that's like, Jesus Christ, we don't, we don't want to see a player out for a season, especially a player as likable as Nakamba, as honest as Nakamba. When we criticise Nakamba, never once, once went near criticising his attitude or his commitment to the cause or how much he wanted it. Like that was so obvious for everybody to see there was no arguing with that and Nakamba has been brilliant over the last six games or like whatever amount he's played under Gerrard and he actually was a bit improved under Smith as well Nakamba's been good this season and we're having a bit of fun there about people saying that you you hate him and you know we're only messing around like like we all know that Nakamba has been good when you're like we're tra- we're talking about his touch the last game his touch was bad in one moment we're talking about a what the fuck award it doesn't mean that you know, we don't appreciate Nakamba's improvement or the job that he was doing for Villa, and you know, and the fact that he's out for the season, my heart goes out to him like you wouldn't believe. Like this guy does not deserve it from a human point of view, but also from a player who's really stepped up. It's actually, it's really fucked us over as well. Not that that's the most important thing at the minute, but he was liberating all their players, like McGinn, like Douglas Louise, like Ramsey. He was part of the reason why these boys were so improved, as well as the system as well. And 
yeah, like I'm I'm gutted for him. So he's going up on the lineman meter because it's probably the last chance he'll get for the rest of the season. I hope not. Like the talk is that he might need knee surgery. Hopefully it's not as extreme as that. But um, yeah. Well, thanks for the effort this season, the Kanban. Well done if it is your last your last per- appearance for the season. Yeah, let's hope that it isn't. It's so badly timed for Nakamba and for the club as a whole, as you say there. I mean, Nakamba is going to be a huge loss because he allows us to play in a different way and he's been absolutely excellent this year. And you'd have to think, probably with some justification, that we're right cunts to think that that anybody on this podcast wants a player to get injured. Yeah. Even even we're not that bad, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, but keep the feedback coming. We appreciate it. Look, we're all big boys. We can take it. Uh, going down, Stephen Gerrard's hairline. Um, <laughs> it's, it's still going down. How is that possible? Like, it's a low hairline as it is. It seems to be going further down his forehead. Yeah, I guess it does. So <laughs> I'm going down the Norway's home support, like we mentioned. Anything else on this game before we move on to questions we can't answer? No, absolutely not. What a, a, a shit match, well won. Yeah, that's a perfect way of summing it up. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Who would have thought that Aubameyang wasn't captain material? <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, the reason they lost it as well, of course, was for the, the breach of the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables that can be negotiated with after the first and second breaches of the non-negotiables by all fucking accounts. <laughs> and this is the third instance of being late or not turning up. I mean, he's the fucking captain. I, I think this this all comes back to a broader point, though. I mean, people in football are far too slow to just let it go. I mean, you're giving leeway, you're cutting them slack, and you're... You're helping them get over the line that you've drawn, and that's that's what good managers should do. But you're doing that for a player that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, yeah. you're doing it for a memory. The, the rot set in for Aubameyang a long time ago. Ago, and he scored ten league goals last year. He scored four this year, and that rot is infectious and it spreads. Particularly if the site of the infection is the captain. I mean, the players don't recover from down in tools for six months, never mind 18. And like if you down tools the way he has, the way Ozil did, Pato did, Ronaldinho even, like he can't recover, not at this level. I mean, if if you're around for long enough, if you're dicking around for long enough, you'll go flaccid. Like you don't have that hard age, that frost that is just fundamental to making it at that level. I mean, we're all pretending Aubameyang is at that level because he scored a goal in the final of the third most important competition in July 2020. <laughs> and that was the last time Aubameyang was a top-class player. And the confusing thing is, Arsenal have been here before. I mean, Alexis Sanchez spent the first half of the season rolling his eyes and throwing his arms in the air and shaking his head like a teenager that's been told he can't go to a party. But Man United fucking gave him a party, a £26 million a year party. <laughs> He scored 18 goals since that transfer. That was four years ago. And Arsene Wenger, a man that had given up on trying to improve Arsenal 10 years earlier, even he knew that Sanchez and his sulks were intolerable and he got rid of him. <laughs> the All or Nothing documentary is going to be brilliant. Um, we, are, we already knew that, but um, the fact that the cameras are in Arsenal's 
changing rooms this year. Although they won't catch Aubameyang in there, like he's he's not he's not chewing up or he's driving away early when the the rest of them are warming down when he's not playing. If you look at Arsenal's captains since Thierry Henry, like it's 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 fucking terrible. Like three of them, three of them have been stripped of the captaincy. We like like we always know about this rot that's set into Arsenal and the Malays that that just ran through the spine of the club. Gala stripped of it. Seth Fabregas forced a transfer. Robin Van Persie went to Man United. Arteta is always injured. Merdersacker, Merdersacker. Koscielny. <laughs> Did Koscielny go on strike? Was there something about that? Xhaka stripped. Aubameyang stripped. Like, even the fact that Xhaka and Aubameyang were her captains. And, <laughs> and what sums it up is that Aubameyang's out. Lacazette is the captain. Lacazette's out. Rob, <laughs> Rob Holden is the captain. Like, who, like fucking hell. Like, we, we thought it was a big problem to decide who were taking Villa's corners. You know, that, that idea of, like, you know, come on down, it's your chance. The Arsenal captain's armband is just being passed around. Like, it's passed a parcel. And it's a parcel that, that nobody deserves. <laughs> Jeez, that is a grim, grim list. I remember we were talking about... We were arguing about whether Mings, McGinn, Konza should get the captaincy after Jack Grealish left. Yeah. Fucking hell. And that's Aston Villa, who had just finished mid-table. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sound like one of these old boys, but Alex Ferguson always banged on about characters. You know, he almost you know didn't like talking about stats. I'm sure he had people around him that were good at looking at that stuff anyway, but uh, stats didn't measure. Stats didn't measure character, is what Alex Ferguson always said. <laughs> Yeah. But like obviously United had unbelievable footballers, but they, like their teams, like all the teams that Fergie built, just lined of characters. That's why the teams that weren't as good as the ones that were really good at football still won, and they got that. Like you know, like United, it wouldn't matter who was out there, who like who was the captain. Like they had so many leaders, and they challenged each other, and they challenged the managers in a good healthy way like they drove the standards the way Gerard talks like that's that's captain material that's leader material like Peter Emmerich Aubameyang mm. fucking hell yeah and remember as well Alex Ferguson told everyone that United that Paul Pogba was a cunt eight years ago yeah and he didn't listen yeah that's so true second question we can't answer but probably will Champions League do you feel sorry for Real Madrid? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. Like, obviously, it's mad what happened. They had a redraw. They fucked up their own draw. They didn't seem to figure out how they work it. But Real Madrid... <laughs> Real Madrid drew Benfica before the cock-up happened with United AL. And then Real Madrid, when they decided that they were going to make another draw, Madrid were like, well, hang on. We're... <laughs> We're very happy with our draw here. So can we just keep Benfica and the rest of you redraw? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about like, you know, changing room material for Benfica. But uh, yeah, they didn't get their wish. But unbelievable arrogance from Real Madrid. Like, you know, no, 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 no. Like, everybody's happy with the draw. There's no practice, <laughs> no practice penalties here. You know, when you miss the penalty. <laughs> but um, yeah, then it, it didn't work out well for them, did it? 
<laughs> not particularly, but like you know, what would the hand write, What would the headline writer say here? You know, club who received twenty five penalties in two seasons benefit from administrative VAR review as Manchester United have PSG tie overruled and Atletico Madrid awarded instead. Christ Almighty, talk about looking out on the other side of the Real Madrid. Fuck up. What what else do we have here though? Like you know, if we're getting headline writers into the room. Organization that was led by corrupt thieving con man for eight years discovered to be not very good at organization. <laughs> organization that fined Besiktas 30 grand for letting a cat run onto the pitch. Twice as much as they fined Montenegro for racially abusing England players. Found to have insufficient and inconsistent procedures in place to perform their fucking functions fairly. <laughs> And that is the beauty of the UEFA Champions League. And you know what the worst of it all is? Like, even worse than that draw, even worse than those fines that you're talking about and the corruption in UEFA, the away goals rule is gone. Yeah. Don't forget that. It's gone. The Champions League might already now look like a shambles for the rest of the season, but it's going to look even worse once we start this away and home tie shit. Well, let's let's see. Let's see how it goes. I mean, it... it... I didn't I didn't want it to go because the second leg of the Champions League knockout stages was always the best time of the year. I mean, fuck Christmas. You know, after February, March, <laughs> April, that's when that's when the year really lit up on those Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Yeah. When anything could happen, a team got a goal and then it was just all fucking hell breaking this because the other team needed to. Um but the, this might make the first rounds better as well, the first legs of those ties. Yeah, look, like, I'm just trying to talk myself around it. I'm just trying to accept it, accept what's coming. But All right. I'll give I'm it a chance. Wrong. I'll give it a chance. And finally, just fair play to the Man City fans who stuck around while they <laughs> banged in seven <laughs> against Leeds. Like, not an easy one to sit and watch. Um, but, but some of them did stick it out. So, uh, yeah, fair play. Loyal supporters to sit through that. <laughs> well, when you're just you know pulled in off the street, you know you you mightn't you mightn't stick around for the full game. I mean, this is the this is the equivalent of someone just walking past saying, "Do you want to come into this gig at the fucking Edinburgh Fringe Festival?" <laughs> you go in because the tickets free and they're desperate for numbers, and then you see if it's any good, then you leave. And that probably wasn't that good for just somebody who was wandering around <laughs> Manchester City Centre on Tuesday night. <laughs> Yeah, and that is it. Another win for the Villa. And we've got Burnley at home coming up next. Just to clarify right now, I know I wasn't completely clear the last time when we said we might not be back on that night of the podcast. We will not be putting a podcast out on Saturday. Um, we will do a podcast for the Burnley match, but it will be Monday. All right, so mark your diaries. Just subscribe, please. Even if you haven't subscribed anyway, just do it. Um, if you would like, obviously, don't, do it if, don't let me force you. But it would be nice <laughs> if you did. Here I am not being clear again now. Subscribe to the podcast and you'll see when we're going out. But we will be going out on Monday, so just uh, just just be aware of that. So um, we're not getting uh, pelters again on Twitter for being being a day or two late for, for the podcast. Um <laughs> And look, it's a big one. It's Sean Dyche. It's a Villa podcast. It's the coming together that we get twice a year. And we will chat to you then, whenever it is. It's going to be Monday. We'll see you later. <laughs> All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.